0: Um, I'd like to introduce our guest today, Dr. Mark Tadlock. Dr. Tadlock is the president of the Masters Academy International, also professor of missions at the Mission Seminary and College. Mark and his wife, Lisa, have five children. So let's welcome Dr. Tadlock.
1: Thank you, Linda. I am so excited to be here. I, I genuinely uh, have been looking forward to this opportunity since uh, Jill extended the invitation. And I was sharing with Linda and, and Lisa here at the table. Uh, I teach missions at the Master's College, and that gives me a chance to have both men and women in my missions classes. And uh, I teach history of missions as well. And one of the things that I will be the first to say is women have been the backbone of the missions movement, uh, the modern missions movement, for the last 300 years. So for me to be at the Ladies at Grace Church, who I consider to be the backbone uh, of so much of what we do here, is a real privilege. And to give you an update as to what God's doing uh, through our missionaries around the world uh, is something I love to talk about, but particularly uh, to share that with you because I know you're praying, and I know that you're so vested uh, in supporting them in a variety of ways. I see so many faces around the room who are actually uh, not only praying, but have volunteered in a, a number of capac- capacities, um, whether that be working with TMAI or GMI, uh, serving our missionaries through uh, their conferences and so forth. So uh, let me just start by saying thank you uh, for all that you're doing on behalf of the missions movement through Grace Church. Uh, we're indebted to you, and I hope that you leave um, blessed today uh, as I'm able to give you some insights as to what we're doing. Well, uh, let me do this first of all. Uh, I think you're a pretty informed group, but I find myself uh, the last couple of years as I've worked with TMAI full time of answering a common question, two common questions. What is TMAI? I've heard of TMC, TMS, GMI, all the acronyms that float around here. Uh, and we worked really hard to define uh, and to, if you will, brand and communicate what uh, TMAI is in the last two years. And some of the pieces on the table uh, are a reflection of our efforts to tell the story of TMAI so it's clear in everybody's mind. The second question I have to answer often is specifically, what's the difference between GMI and TMAI, which I said earlier today? And I actually put together a PowerPoint presentation that I used with the seminary students because they asked that question all the time. And Kevin and I worked on that. By the way, Kevin is such a beloved friend. I absolutely love uh, getting to to partner with him every day in ministry. And so the complement between GMI and TMAI uh, is such an important hand-in-glove relationship. Uh, But particularly, GMI functions as a missionary sending agency. You might be familiar in your own uh, Christian walk with other mission societies, such as uh, ministries like ABWE or Send International or Greater Europe Mission, these kinds of missionary sending agencies. You may or may not know that, but there are over 2,000 sending agencies in North America. Uh, but particularly Grace Church, because of the size of our church and the resources and the commitment of people like you, we have the privilege, privilege of having our own sending agency that's aligned with our clear biblical values and priorities uh, here at Grace Church. Not every um, church out there has that luxury uh, or, or the measure of resources to do that. Uh, so many of them still need to send their missionaries out th- through trusted sending organizations like these that I've mentioned. Uh, but GMI exists to facilitate uh, mobilizing missionaries and and getting them to the field and supporting them on the field. And all that's involved there, whether it's securing their visas and uh, medical insurance plans and having accounts where people uh, who support them uh, can send their their gifts uh, to their monthly support and so forth. And that's so necessary. And because of Grace Church sponsoring GMI, we're able to keep the overhead very low. Uh, Kevin and Brian Milam and Lisa do a phenomenal job uh, overseeing uh, our missionaries. And of course, we're committed to not only handling the uh, administrative support, but particularly the shepherding oversight that we believe uh, is so essential. And so those of us who serve on ECHO, which is the Elders' Council Handling Outreach, that's another acronym I'm sure that you're familiar with, is a group of elders who are dedicated to shepherding and giving oversight to our missionaries and working with Kevin as our mission's pastor. And so um, that's what GMI does. It really cares for the missionary. What TMAI does is it provides support. Uh, Just like missionaries need financial support, our training centers need financial support, uh, which makes scholarships uh, uh, available to the national pastors who are being uh, trained in our schools. And I'll share more with you uh, how we do that. So think in terms of GMI as the missionaries themselves being sent out. And TMAI is the association of schools that they've established and trying to uh, provide academic, financial, uh, and administrative support to the work they're doing through uh, their schools. So that's the distinction. The overlap is it's a lot of the same names and faces Uh, our missionaries are actually doing the work of the training centers. Does that help? Now, there's a lot that's in my heart to share with you, but I'm going to try to allow time for questions. Uh, So get ready. Uh, If you have some clarifying questions uh, or suggestions that you would want to make, I'd love to hear those from you. But I want you to meet some of our graduates of our schools. And so uh, we have a brief video that we're going to show uh, here. And David has assured me that if I am not capable of running this, he's going to jump up and help me. So I'm grateful uh, for him to do that. I started it, David, but I didn't succeed.
2: In Mexico, Marco spent much of his early adult life drunk or high. In his own words, he was a liar, a hypocrite, an adulterer. Marco heard the gospel, repented. Mexico, Marco spent much of his early adult life drunk or high. In his own words, he was a liar, a hypocrite, an adulterer. Marco heard the gospel, repented, and was saved, and started attending a Pentecostal church. He became a leader in the church, but his hunger for the Word of God was not being fed. He still had questions. He eventually found Word of Grace Biblical Seminary, a training center of the Master's Academy International in Mexico. There, he was taught how to accurately interpret the scriptures and preach them with conviction. Marco now pastors Plentitude of Life Church in Mexico, where he faithfully exposits God's word week by week to over 250 people who are growing in their love for the Lord Jesus and in their zeal to evangelize the lost in Mexico. In Germany, Matthias was born into a Christian home and gave his life to Christ at an early age. After showing himself faithful as a lay leader in his church, he desired to teach, but he knew he needed more training. He went to European Bible Training Center, a master's academy international school in his home country of Germany. There he was equipped with skills in expository preaching and biblical shepherding. Matthias returned to his home church in Stuttgart and eventually went on to receive additional training. He is now a pastor in Berlin and also trains other church leaders as a professor at TMAI's European Bible Training Center. In India, Danny was born into an Orthodox Hindu family and spent his childhood worshiping Hindu gods. In ninth grade, he heard the gospel and followed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Danny grew in his faith, and over time he felt called to the ministry. He soon enrolled in the Pastoral Training Seminary, a training center of the Master's Academy in his home country of India. Danny was trained for three years in theology and pastoral ministry. He was taught how to faithfully and accurately exposit the scriptures. After graduating, Danny went on to plant Shilong Grace Church in Shilong, India. The result is a vibrant, growing church that is built up in its faith, effective in fulfilling the Great Commission in India. What do Marco, Matthias, and Danny have in common? They were all trained to be pastors in their own country by the Master's Academy International or TMAI, these are just three examples of what TMAI is doing all over the world in 15 different training centers. Every day, these centers, staffed by graduates of the Master's Seminary, are training up national church leaders in their own country. These nationals know the language and the culture and are more effective at shepherding their own people than foreign missionaries. With a commitment to sound doctrine, our graduates are planting churches, preaching the Word of God, and making disciples. The investment that is made into each pastor at the training center is multiplied throughout the country, and Christ's church grows. TMAI is a movement, and it is only getting started. In addition to our current 15 training centers, church leaders in more than 25 other countries are requesting our help to develop other training centers. But we need your help. Will you partner with us in training church leaders around the world? Will you answer the call to make disciples of all nations?
1: Pretty great, huh? Well, I'll tell you what. One of my first assignments when I started full-time with TMAI two years ago was to tell the story of what God is doing through our training centers, and that gave me the great privilege of interfacing with our men on the field to ask them a number of questions with regard to uh, what is it uh, that God's accomplishing through your training center, and um, is it okay if we turn the lights on? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. And so to tell the story to churches and to donors, uh, we interviewed all of our men and really tried to get our arms around telling the entire story. What's a global picture of what God's been doing these many years through our missionaries uh, and their training centers? Well, today, I'm really glad to put in your hand uh, the product of that piece. This is the portfolio that I was referring to earlier. And this is a piece that I'm able to sit down with donors, uh, pastors, church missions committees, and able to just tell the story of what God has been doing. And uh, it's, a, it's an overview. And I know you're still eating. And that baklava looks really good. But if you could set it down for just a moment. Uh, I want you to walk through this with me because it's pretty great. Um, I want you to turn uh, really to page three. Uh, It's the light blue pages there that starts with our mission and core values. I want to read our mission statement to you. TMAI is committed to fulfilling the Great Commission by training indigenous or national church leaders to be approved pastor teachers able to equip their churches to make biblically sound disciples. As we really thought about what's the direct connection between a training center ministry and the advancement of the Great Commission? We realized that we could strengthen uh, that connection by clarifying what our mission is. And so this is our new mission statement. It's not a change in scope or focus of our ministry, but bringing greater clarity so that when we talk to donors or, or churches who want to be biblical and their focus on the Great Commission, what we're able to say is, listen, there's a lot of good work that's being done in missions today. There's a lot of not so great work that's being done in missions, but I would say the majority of it focuses on evangelism. But we're not called to just make converts, we're called to make disciples. And if you see the Great Commission, it begins certainly with the announcement of the good news of the gospel and baptizing them, but then doing what? Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. This is the ongoing work of the church. Now here's the sad news today. Much of well-intended missions work today, I mentioned over 2,000 sending agencies, millions, if not billions of dollars are being invested by the evangelical church in missions work. Many, if not most of the missionaries, uh, are involved in work that isn't gospel-focused. Uh, and, and also, I would say it's not church-focused. So you can make converts, but where do they go to be discipled in a context where truth is the foundation of their life. This is the teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And we know the state of the church around the world, just as it is in the United States, is weak with regard to doctrine and truth. And so what TMAI is focused on doing is getting the church right in the sense of making sure the pulpits are sound, the leadership is sound, they're qualified men, they're able to accurately interpret the scriptures, and from that, Flows their entire philosophy of ministry, their focus uh, within ministry. Uh, but then uh, we know this is the Lord's purpose, right? Then those precious people, once they are mature disciples, then can reproduce themselves. So by focusing on strengthening the national church by by making sure that the pulpits are sound, that you have godly, trained men who can accurately teach the word of God they can equip their people, and then for every person in that church who's equipped, they can go and they can advance the Great Commission in their own community, in their own culture, in their own language. Not only is this a great biblical philosophy of ministry and missions, it's also a very uh, uh, sound economic and and stewardship approach to missions. Uh, For every dollar spent in missions. Uh, we believe that this is the greatest stewardship in equipping and training the church in the national context to fulfill uh, the advancement of the gospel uh, in their own cultural context. So what I mean by that, every graduate of a training center represents a congregation, and every member of the congregation, once they're fully trained, can then go out and to win multitudes to Christ in their own spheres of influence. So when you think about the exponential impact uh, of getting the training in the church right, Uh, this is far more impactful than just one missionary going over and making one convert uh, at a much higher price tag. So we feel like we're good stewards financially of the Lord's resources uh, that he provides to the churches and donors, but also it's it's greater impact with regard to multiplication and following Christ's model. So TMA is really, in our opinion, at the heart of the fulfillment of the great commission. And, that's great. There are other missions work being done, but, but where do they send those converts? If we can have sound churches and we partner with those ministries, they can send their converts to uh, our national pastors' churches and making sure they're, they're in good, sound churches. So we got to get that right. And that's been a neglected focus in missions, I would say, for the last 60 years as far as uh, the priority of North American missions. So praise God for what he's been doing uh, through uh, Grace Church and, and our missionaries these many years. Well, um, we also wanted to be really clear with regard to what our core values are. And you can see there the authority of Scripture, the centrality of the local church. That's God's uh, eternal institution that He's ordained. He's not ordained any other parachurch ministry. They're important and they play a valuable role as long as they're true to their definition of parachurch. And I'll test your Greek knowledge here. What does para mean? It means coming alongside, right? So a true parachurch ministry— has as its focus, the centrality of the local church. And whatever they do is done to advance and to strengthen the church. That's a true parachurch ministry. Many people have started parachurch ministries, but out of frustration with their local church, and uh, either intentionally or unintentionally, uh, what they conveyed to, to their constituencies is really the local church is not central. It's not the priority. And this has been carried overseas for decades now. And uh, we believe what we're doing is corrective in nature, uh, as well as being biblical. Certainly, the priority of the gospel, but um, also these last two uh, might not be as familiar to you, but the importance of integrity. What TMAI does is we provide accountability uh, for doctrine, uh, financial management, and academic excellence. And we want to strive for excellence really in all three cases. So, what we're able to do. Uh, to fulfill this is we require all of our faculty, missionaries, and national faculty members at our training centers uh, must sign our doctrinal statement annually. As it's the same doctrinal statement of Grace Community Church, the Master's College, the Master's Seminary. Uh, we all share the same doctrinal statement. And this is how we're able to secure the theological integrity Uh, This is something that you may or may not know, but in missions, a lot of mission agencies don't require their missionaries to actually agree with their doctrinal statement. They ask them to affirm their doctrinal statement. And part of this is they just don't trust God. This is the bottom line. So to try to recruit more missionaries, they lower the standard. But think of the problems that creates on the field. You know, churches send out good people who are like-minded with their own church only to be placed on teams with people who don't even agree with them. And so this is the confusion in missions today. We avoid that by uh, calling our people, and they do that gladly, to sign our doctrinal statement. But not just that. Every board member that serves, national board member over one of our training centers, they also must sign the doctrinal statement annually. So the leadership, by way of setting policy and oversight and governance to the training center in the national context, those leaders sign our doctrinal statement as well as the faculty. So this is something we're committed to. On the financial side, um, our men are faithful, but we know a lot of people get in, money, uh, in trouble over finances. This is where Satan can make some real progress. So we want to love uh, our missionaries and our national leaders by providing the structures that allow them to do uh, really sound financial planning, budget management, accounting of, of uh, gifts and resources, um, and to make sure that uh, we protect them. Uh, from any accusations or any temptations. And so our office coordinates and oversees. That. I'm so thankful for Brian Tamisian, who served in Samara, Russia for many years as the key administrator to their work there. Uh, as you know, our missionaries uh, lost their visas and, and the Lord redirecting our missionaries. Uh, TMAI was blessed uh, to have Brian join us full-time on staff. And Brian's expertise uh, is in the area of administration and finance. And so uh, he helps us in all the things that, uh, particularly in the last two years, we've we've put in place. On the academic side, that's the side I'm more familiar with, having served at the Master's College for many years, um, really strengthening the support we provide. You know, we trained a lot of our men to be candid with you, to preach and to preach with excellence. We didn't necessarily train them formally to run schools. And so it's uh, really on my heart to make sure they have all the support that they need to make sure that their schools are run well from an academic perspective. And we're working on a number of projects right now that uh, I think are really being beneficial. Can I just say we're having fun? I mean, I absolutely am having a blast, and uh, I love serving uh, our guys on the field. So the importance of integrity is one of our core values, and then in addition to that, the value of respect, and uh, even as well-intentioned as American missionaries might be, sometimes as Americans, we can come into a cross-cultural setting a little heavy-handed. We've got the financial resources. We've got kind of the chutzpah. We've got kind of the vision. And uh, sometimes the nationals who have needs, uh, they're very kind. They're receptive. Uh, they're appreciative. Um But our long-term vision is to make sure that every training center is indigenized. And that means it's led by, by national leadership. That's what the church needs to see is national leaders, uh, training and equipping and, and, and taking the lead role. So you have to ask the question, where does, when does indigenization start? Is that after 20 years of our missionaries labor and then we turn things over? I would argue it begins day one. And so we only go into a country at the invitation of the national church. They have a desire to train their men to do expositional preaching, uh, to be strong in doctrine. And so we only come in at their invitation. But from day one, we partner in a respectful way, honoring the national leaders. We're not there to take over. We're not trying to ex- extend our own kingdom. We're there to serve. And um, that means that in the context of relationships, we have to work really hard to be respectful in the way that we work with the national leaders. And uh, then we can have confidence when we pull out, if it's our American missionaries, that 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 leadership from from the outset uh, has taken ownership, they feel trusted, and they want to carry on that vision uh, even in our absence. So those are some of our core values. Uh, If you turn the page, I thought you'd enjoy to see the history of the ministry. We started in 1991. I'll never forget it. The wall had just come down. Uh, Men like Bob Provost and Dick Mayhew, uh, George Zemek, and some others were invited to go to uh, Kiev, particularly to the suburb of Irpine in the country of the Ukraine. Do you remember the wonderful freedoms the church began to experience uh, for the first time in over 80 years? I remember being there in 91 myself and uh, going out with church members in the city of Kiev and be able to do evangelism publicly on the subway and the buses and in the public square. And they had never had that freedom before. It was so exciting. And then uh, they recognized very quickly, particularly the Baptist Association there, that they needed uh, to equip their men because they saw the rush of error and heresy coming in with that freedom. And so uh, they knew that they could trust our pastor. And so um, Bob was used of the Lord and these other men to uh, serve them, which resulted in an invitation uh, to our first missionaries who went out, the Whites and the Kinsels and the Alvards and a few others who joined them there, uh, in giving leadership there to European Biblical uh, Seminary. And uh, that all started there in 91. Uh, You can see officially in 92. That's a great photo there. You can pick out some old friends there, those of you who've been around for a long time. But then you can begin to just trace uh, the replication of this vision in other contexts, whether it's in South Africa with Christ Seminary, where you can see we added three schools in 98. So the school that you've been praying for, maybe as closest on your heart, you can kind of see when they came online as a member of TMAI. TMAI itself didn't exist until 2004. And we realized at that point that uh, it was going to require some resources to sustain and support these schools. And so TMAI was founded. Uh, Many of you might remember Jay Letty, uh, who served for three years as the first president of TMAI. Jay's a dear friend and uh, served prior to that uh, in his first term of service at Grace Church as John's uh, executive pastor. and so we're indebted to Jay's leadership those early years. And then Jay retired. And in that window of time, TMAI did not have any full-time uh, leadership uh, by way of its staff. And uh, I just think it's appropriate to acknowledge. Uh, but God raised up Diana Hall, who served faithfully and continues to serve faithfully in communication with donors, processing of gifts. And I love working with Diana. Diana. Um, She's taught me a lot uh, as I've learned the ministry of TMAI, but God used her to continue the communication and support. And then um, Pastor John asked me to get involved uh, starting about five years ago. And then I transitioned from the college uh, because we saw the opportunity for growth and expansion before us with TMAI, and he really felt it required full-time leadership. So I'm trying to take what I learned all those years at the college and try to serve our guys now uh, in this capacity. And uh, those of you who know me, uh, know my passion has been mission, so I still can't believe I get to do this full-time, but I love it. So you can see where the other schools have come online. Uh, recently, we added schools uh, in Singapore, in the Czech Republic, and in Malawi. I think maybe of you know Brian Biedebach and the Ayers and the Florines. If you turn the page, we divide uh, the world into four regions. And we have a regional council that we put in place. And in each region, we have what we would term a flagship school. It's the older, more mature, established school. And they really provide uh, mentoring and encouragement to the new schools in their geographic region. And the men who serve on that council will be men like Christian Andreessen uh, from EBTC, uh, representing Europe. Uh, Greg, Greg White, representing uh, the schools in the Slavic world. Uh, David Beakley, uh, who has uh, been giving leadership there in Polokwani in South Africa. Uh, Also on that council is Greg Stevenson, serving in New Zealand, kind of uh, representing our Asia-Pacific region. And who did I miss? Uh, Oh, Latin America, Carlos Montoya, that's right, uh, who's in Honduras there at MEDA. And those men, uh, we conference call every month. And our desire there, because TMA wants to be responsive to the needs on the field, Uh, I can cast vision and response. I can hear initiatives, key things that we can strategize across the globe, but I want them to report up and tell me what their needs are so we can be responsive to that instead of just a bunch of Americans telling the rest of the world what to do. So uh, those guys are great servants. I learn from them uh, all the time, and I I love working with them. But you can see the schools, they're broken down by uh, region, And then here's what uh, I didn't know, and I've been excited to share with you. Here's some of the the stats as to the number of schools and what the Lord's doing. So here we go. If you turn to page 9 and 10, it's broken down by region. But if you looked at our enrollment of students across all of our training centers, uh, we would have 69 nations represented. Now, we have 18 training centers today. 18. But the students enrolled in those training centers represent 69 nations. So now begin to let your mind imagine the scope of impact that our missionaries are having as they train these men. I was talking to Dave Beakley recently, and uh, he's got some graduates who've been trained there at uh, Christ Seminary from Zimbabwe and Mozambique. Now they're going out and starting training of rural pastors. So again, this is that replication model. And we're really begin to see a lot of growth in this regard. Um, when we think about the number of current students uh, enrolled across all programs in all schools, this last year, this is a current number. We had two thousand nine hundred and seventy students. That's an amazing number of students. That's the size of a university, uh, a major university. But that's the impact uh, that our our leaders are having. Um, The number of graduates, I was surprised and delighted to learn this number. It's over 4,000 graduates of our training center. That's all programs. That would include a few occasions like we have in Samara uh, or even in the Ukraine where we have some newer biblical counseling programs. Uh, They also have a Christian education program uh, in those two locations where there are women uh, who are being trained in that regard. So our primary focus is training pastors and, and elders, but we do have the privilege where we have a more mature school with more resources to begin to expand and to train uh, the women. Uh, I would think right now one of the biggest areas of growth for us by way of academic uh, programs is biblical counseling um, and uh, all that's happening with ACBC and uh, Uh, John Streets' leadership and Bill Shannon, our church, and so forth. Uh, There's really not a field that isn't layering in biblical counseling classes and even in some regards a biblical counseling degree. And so we praise the Lord that we're able to expand in that regard. But think about over 4,000 graduates. Every one of them represents a church. And we think of that congregation, then you think of the scope of impact of those faithful people once they're trained. Mm -hmm. Pretty exciting, isn't it? When we think about what the cost is uh, to operate our training center, what TMAI focuses uh, our efforts on, uh, we raise about $2.3 million annually uh, to sustain our schools. Now, we could have a great faculty, a great program, but there's two things that are essential for a school to succeed. Obviously, students, but to get those students, two things are important affordability and accessibility. If you can't afford the program, you're not going there. And if you can't get there, then you can't take advantage of the training. So um, the affordability piece is solved by the money that we raise uh, on behalf of training centers to help them in their operational budget. That's our primary focus. Keep the lights on. Make sure the students can have a, a you know, technology and a classroom and, and all that they need to be there. And it, in essence, you can think about this like scholarshipping students. We keep the costs low. We charge our students everywhere because they value their education. If they have to make an investment and a sacrifice, we don't give it away, but we use an economic index that's keyed to what they can afford and um, they do their best, but we come alongside and offset that so that they can afford the program. And then with regard to accessibility, what we're seeing by way of a uh, major growth for us is uh, extension sites, satellite sites, I said that we have 18 schools, but we're actually teaching in 35 geographic locations today. Your brochure says there at the bottom right-hand corner 34, but we just added Vienna uh, as a new teaching site as part of EBTC in Germany. And uh, I can tell you there's a lineup of new uh, extension sites that are being considered. So we are poised from, I believe, some of the greatest growth uh, that we've seen. We've been laying the foundation for 20 years. This thing is getting ready to explode. And uh, the big opportunity for us is managing growth so that we don't overextend ourselves, overcommit ourselves. As a matter of fact, we just uh, worked with our board, which includes men like Kevin and Brad Claussen and Ken Fuller and Chris Williams and others to uh, design what we call a new uh, pathway to membership. So many people are uh, expressing interest in becoming a uh, part of TMAI and developing a training center. I should tell you this, uh, on my list today, I've got a working list of 44 countries who've asked For help in developing a training center 44 in addition to the 18 okay that's the potential in 39 of those locations we already have one seminary grad already on the ground and others are in the process of being trained because we require two tms grads to be on the ground so this isn't just pie in the sky this isn't like i just got a bunch of emails randomly from people who came to shepherd's conference these are our own graduates who Many of them are nationals going back to their countries. So we're poised for great growth uh, in Southeast Asia uh, and in uh, South America uh, and even in Africa. So put your seatbelt on, keep praying, ladies, because uh, the Lord's got a lot of exciting things ahead of us. Um, you can see the other statistics there. You know, when we come into a country, one of the big things that we have to do is uh, translate theological, sound theological resources into uh, the national language. And and this number really doesn't tell the story. We think it's much higher than this, but we, we've been able to document well over a hundred theological resources have been translated uh, in our training centers uh, to get those works in the hands uh, of our men. Uh, our faculty, are authoring books, our national faculty, you can see there are 21 works we know for sure if you add in Benedict Peters, who teaches at EBTC in Germany, uh, you could probably double that number. He's very prolific. But um, this is important for the national church to have their own men writing these books. This isn't just the faith of the West or Americans. This is God's a God of all nations, and God's a God of the global church. And as I see their national leaders competently writing sound theological works that are uh, really combating a lot of the error and heresy that's being written. Um, give you an insight. You know, we have training centers or seminaries around the world, but I'll tell you what, everywhere we have a school, there's probably another four or five schools within that same country that faithful missionaries planted 30, 50, even 70 years ago. The problem has been the last 30 years, liberal seminaries in the U.S. have become very aggressive in scholarshipping international students. Um, And now, for 30 years, these schools have been bringing the cream of the crop of national leaders to get trained here and undermine their view of Scripture, eroding their confidence in the, the sufficiency, the authority, the inerrancy of Scripture. And those men then go back to their seminaries, founded by faithful conservative missionaries, and, and now they lead their schools, but only to begin to open up the door for doubt and confusion. So, um, having our own faculty author theological resources and taking leadership is so important for the future of the church in those countries. Um, You can see we have 45 full-time faculty members, 38 adjunct. And uh, just recently during Shepherd's Conference, we hosted a lunch for a group we term our visiting scholars, pastor scholars. And uh, we've counted, you can see there are over 180 Local pastors, the majority of them are TMS grads, throwing a few other people like D.A. Carson and John Piper and uh, uh, our own president and, and pastor. And we have over 183 men who've invested in the training ministry by supplementing the teaching of our faculty by coming and teaching courses or modules. So we had lunch with them. Uh, as many as we could get in the same room during Shepherd's Conference, and it was really fun. And we launched what we call our Visiting Pastor Scholar Society. And uh, we want to just encourage those men and thank them for their work. Well, you can read more as to what uh, TMAI does. You can see there are distinctives focused on national leadership. We tell the story of Samara Center for (coughs) Biblical Training, which is now fully led by nationals. This is true uh, of Christ Seminary. Uh, This is true, really, uh, in a number of our fields. And so you can see our board and our leadership there, and then a little bit of uh, how people can give to support the ministry. So I hope that's encouraging to you. It's a pretty great story, isn't it? When you kind of step back and look at the whole picture. Uh, And you know what? We didn't have this strategy to start out with. There was no set agenda or master plan to conquer the world. Uh, We just wanted to be faithful. And as God raised up faithful men and trained them, we stood behind them, we prayed with them, we, we invested in them, we ordained them, we sent them out, and we've been doing this now since 1992, and it's my great joy to just be able to give an update, you know, after these 20-plus years of ministry of some of the impact. This doesn't even begin to tell the personal stories of every individual one of those pastors and their family. And... uh the testimonies of their work in the church. So you can take that with you. Uh, you can update uh, your friends, your husband, your family. And I hope that that helps give you a much richer understanding of what TMAI is and what it does. So I want to entertain. Uh, we just have a, a couple brief moments here, but do you have any questions for me? Yes. For the
2: Armenian,
1: it's mm-hmm. not for Armenian, right? So when you start getting information Yeah, our men in Samara, including um, Brian Tamisian, who is ethnically Armenian, uh, made several trips down to Armenia uh, because there was an interest in doing training. Uh, Just based on the current church circumstances there, they weren't positioned to really uh, launch a full training program. So what they looked to do is how many of those men could go to a nearby training center to get them trained. Uh, we hope and pray in the future there will be an opportunity for us to do more of a formal training program, but that's not in place right now. And it just had to do with our assessment of, of whether the church could sustain that right now uh, in Armenia. So, uh, And that's true in a number of places. Uh, one of the reasons that we work regionally is in neighboring countries, men can come and be trained in a nearby country. Uh, so it's a little bit more accessible to home than coming back to the States. So that's why we have so many nations represented in our student body. But Armenia is on our map. Uh, yeah. We're just not <laughs> there yet as a as a full school. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Other questions? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah, great. Okay, love it. East Africa, and I would say central, maybe in Western Africa. Uh, during Shepherd's Conference, I think I met with three men. You know, the vision for training is just part of the DNA of Pastor John's ministry. And everybody who's touched by it uh, is, in a good sense, infected with that vision uh, and what's happening, I can tell you have a man named Steve Van Horn who started a ministry called Item, and he has been doing training in 10 uh, Central and West African countries for the last uh, 15 years, taking TMS grads to go and do that. And so we're looking to partner with Steve's ministry uh, where he can send some of his key men. He's offered kind of a basic um, level of training, and those guys who want to get more advanced training, we're looking at how to get them uh, to one of our training centers. We have other uh, friends and missionaries, some of you would know the Hurleys who are working in Uganda. Uh, Right now we have men from Kenya and Ethiopia here at TMS. So we're in the earlier stages of trying to strategize how to to get more formal training into that part of the continent, Uh, but those are some of the conversations we're having even right now and trying to connect the dots. So pray for us. Hang in there with us. Uh, there's definitely a need. As far as uh, Native Americans, I was just in Alaska recently uh, there doing a missions conference with one of our grads, and uh, half the people who attended were working with uh, Native Alaskans. And uh, the co-speaker there was a gentleman from the ministry named Chief, um, and uh, oh, now I'm drawing a blank on his name, Huron Klaus. Now Huron's the dad. Um, It'll come to me, but uh, he's been, I say he's a good friend, I can't remember his name, but I've known him for a long time, and his kids are at the college, and we had a delightful time partnering and exploring what the needs and opportunities were for training among Native peoples, and um, Klaus, what is his name, i got his dad's name in my mind, but Chief uh, works particularly on Native American reservations in the Southwest, And it was a new venture for them kind of expanding in to work with uh, native Alaskans. But uh, we've talked about how we can partner in ministry in Southern California, Arizona, New Mexico, and so forth. So, again, I'm I'm telling you, the opportunities are out there. I'm just trying to keep up with it all. And uh, uh, the Lord, in his own time, will let us do it. Okay. Thanks for uh, letting me be here today. I have one last announcement as Linda comes. Yeah. (laughs) yeah Thank you Thank you yes, I'll tell you what what we don't what we're trying to do, uh, we have a three phase strategy for uh, our fundraising efforts. Churches are a major piece of that. Churches in their missions budgets all devote funds to, to missions, typically individuals going out as missionaries. But so many of the TMS graduates understand the need uh, to support the school so that the missionaries can realize what they're doing. So we launched a program, and the brochure there uh, that you see in front of you It describes our ambassador program. And we um, directly... Uh, connected with over 800 churches this last year through our ambassadors and presenting them the opportunity to actually partner with the training center and to support them. And then that church owns that. We give them updates, and they feel like they know the people and what's going on in the ministry. So uh, this last uh, Shepherds Conference, we made some great strides by way of awareness and, and connection with that. Then we have our broader general donors who believe in the ministry and receive our bi-weekly emails. If you'd like to receive those, you can sign up on our website to get those and tells the story of our training centers. Um, And we receive gifts from folks just like you, as you said, who give either restricted gifts designated to a training center or just to TMAI and let us meet needs we're aware of. And then um, my major focus right now is cultivating and expanding our major donor base. These are people who... Uh, have kinds of assets that they're looking to leave legacy gifts. They really want to advance the cause of Christ. And um, our uh, goal is to establish an endowment that then would produce uh, interest return that we could give grants to our schools. So I'm working on that piece of that as well. And I could tell you more, but I don't have enough time. So, yeah.
0: Country,
1: does that mean you need the here's how how it works uh, our first commitment is to fund the operational budget of the schools because that affects everybody but every school has what i would call capital projects or special projects it might be remodeling the classroom Um, or it might be uh, expanding their library or a translation project or some piece of technology. So we survey all of our schools and collect all those special projects. And let me give you an example. We probably will do 10 translation projects this year, and they run about $5,000 a piece. Now, I could go out and find 10 different donors to get $5,000. There are some people who have the capacity and they see the need for translation work. And if I set before them, this is a $50,000 project, they would invest in that. And so we're trying to work really smart and communicate the particular needs to uh, in different ways. But on our uh, weekly emails and our, our correspondence there, uh, when we need to raise funds for special projects, we'll promote those. And we'll say, this is a particular need, give to this, the need's critical. But the majority of our donors, uh, we're really pleased if they'll just give general donations to TMAI, because we can prioritize the urgency, uh, because we see the whole picture. And we're glad if you want to give to Albania. We love Albania. If you want to give, that's great. But if you want to give to TMAI, I may know of a more urgent need that is actually maybe in a different region. And our guys all work together, and they understand that. So. You're welcome. If you have any more questions,
0: I'll
1: stay. Wait, I have one more announcement. I'm so sorry. I know you guys got to get back to your families. Okay, we have a very exciting opportunity coming up uh, May 21st, and there's a postcard on your table. Um, You know what I keep experiencing? There are people, though we train pastors and people in full time ministry, I continue to encounter Christian professionals who are asking the question how can I get involved in missions? I have professional expertise. It might be in budget planning. It might be in education. It might be in healthcare or whatever. And I'm looking for a place where I can share my professional experience in a way that advances the work on the field, or I have financial resources, and I need to know of a trusted missions organization that I could give to with confidence. But we want to give back, and because our strength is biblical teaching— uh, we've organized a conference for Christian professionals entitled Work and Witness, Using Your Vocation for Gospel Impact. We've done three this last year, one in Singapore, one in Berlin, and one in New York. And uh, next month, we're going to host one here at Grace Church in the Family Center. And we can accommodate about 500 people. And this is open to the church at large, husbands and wives, the people who want to come. And we're going to be presenting on things like uh, a theology of work. Uh, the Reformed Doctrine of Vocation. How do you glorify God in doing your work where He's placed you? And so we're going to give them that, that rich biblical teaching. We'll be able to highlight the ministry of TMA, and we have some great speakers uh, that I don't have time to tell you about. But um, if you're a Grace Church member, I know I got to get out of here. Linda's like, he's not coming back. Um, <laughs> The posted uh, registration is $60 for the conference. You'll get books and resources and lunch and so forth. But for Grace Church members, it's being discounted for to $35 for the day. And I would love for you to share this with all your family, friends, other Christians, you know, in your sphere of influence who are, they kind of feel, I'm going to be honest with you, second-class citizens. I'm not a missionary. I'm not a pastor. And they shouldn't feel that way. uh, You'll see this uh, Sunday in Grace Today, there's a quote by John uh, in his sermon on theology work where he says, listen, whatever your calling is, if it's from God, he ordained it, it's a sacred calling. And we want to encourage lay people. So this is a great, great opportunity coming up on May 21st that lets us tell the story of TMAI and also minister to um, lay people. So uh, please take the postcard and all information is on our website and help me if you would um, tell the story.
0: let close in prayer here. Generally, Father, come before you, Lord. And just lift Dr. Talak before you, Lord. Love for the missions. Love for TMI, Lord. Just love for ensuring the gospel and just leading your word, Lord. Pray for the ministry, Lord, the Master of the Academy International, for those being trained to raise financial support. Pray for those in the centers all over the world to spread the gospel and being godly disciples. Pray for these men that go into the training to be put in churches, Lord, to lead your word, Lord, and guide their steps, Lord. Just be the foundation, Lord. Be with, give them wisdom in translating to the language in their country, Lord, and the time that's needed to get things done, Lord. Be with the pastors and the ladies in biblical counseling just to be encouraged and just reading your word, Lord, and just, again, for the financial support being trained. Again, we leave this time for you. Thank you for Dr. Talek just sharing his heart. And sharing your word and the love that He has, Lord, be with His wife and His family, Lord, as they go on just to support their husband. At least supports her husband, Lord, just for all the work that He's doing for you, Lord. Be with all the leaders and administrative that come aside to make this international just grow for you, Lord. And as He puts His hand in the seminary college, seminary and college, Lord, that Your hand will be upon everything. Be with these ladies today, Lord, as they go out. And just each one of them, Lord, that opportunity to share Christ in you, Lord, and just go out and uh, spread the gospel. For I ask this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. So if you have any more questions to ask, Dr. Talak, please feel free.
1: God bless you. <laughs>